seven storytelling mistakes that are getting between you and your audience and what you can do to fix them on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Social Pilot, the social media and marketing tool for bloggers and small businesses. Join over 20,000 social media pros at servenomaster.com backslash socialpilot today. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now. Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. One of the first pieces of feedback I got when I began this blog was that my, my podcast episodes, when I began sending them out, was that I needed to start with stories. I needed to open with an engaging story so people would feel more connected to me. If you listen to my earlier blog posts, I often went straight into the meat, and now I try to be better by telling a personal story or something engaging to get people a little bit interested. Telling stories is not easy. It's a craft, it's an art. There's a reason there are people who are professional storytellers. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a dying art. There aren't very many people who travel from town to town telling verbal stories anymore. But we do come from very much an oral tradition. It's very much is the way we developed most of our story structure. Some of our greatest stories of all time were told stories. I am very much involved in different aspects of copywriting and this part of the business. And when it comes to copywriting, it's very much about telling a story. It's often telling the hero's journey, which is a particular type of story. You can think of Star Wars as the prototypical hero's journey. It goes through the seven phases of becoming a hero, you know, discovering that you're a hero, discovering you have a hidden power, finding a mentor, finding your enemy, finding a challenge, overcoming the first challenge, you know, these different phases. And people chop up the hero's journey into different stories, but you can pretty much follow Star Wars as a pretty good example of it. There are several different variations, but we tell these stories in different places and I listen to a lot of people looking for investment in their businesses. I love listening to those where people have a new small business and they're pitching it and that's the same thing. You know, there's an idea of sending a pitch is that you want to get investors to put money into your company and so you tell them a story to get them engaged and oftentimes people want to get better and better at this and they spend thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars hiring companies to design their pitch deck, everything from their slides to the content of their stories because well-crafted story can make you 10 times more money than a poorly crafted story. And understanding some of the most common mistakes will help you as you tell stories throughout your blog, website, products, and sales processes. One of the most common mistakes is the attempt to shock the audience. We always want to grab everyone's attention. And there's a balance. Sometimes in a movie, you'll see something that's too far, and it's not the right genre of movie. Sometimes you're watching a movie that's for kids, and then they insert a storyline, a subplot that doesn't even affect the main story that has uh, an intense and shocking element. It's often they slip in lately things about child abuse or things about other horrible things in that area and it doesn't fit. Sometimes you go, what is that doing in this movie? I thought this was a kid's movie. Why does a kid's movie have this? As much as those stories sometimes need to be told, they don't always need to be in a cartoon or a movie for children. That's not the type of thing I want to expose my children to. When I was younger, many parents thought a great movie to show their kids would be Forrest Gump, forgetting that in the very beginning of the movie, it shows the mom sleeping with the school principal in order to get her son into the school. 
and it doesn't show a lot, but you can hear the noises, you can hear the kid listening to his mom doing something horrible. Is that something you want to expose your children to? It's a fine movie for adults, it's no problem, but it's not something I want my five-year-old seeing and going, what is she doing with the teacher? I don't want my children to ask me those types of questions. We, movies have these scenes that are shocking or that are over the top, and when they're too far, we then don't like the movie. There are certain times when different things are appropriate and certain times when things are not appropriate. And in your story, you'll often try to find the most extreme example, and this happens when we try to talk about both positive and negative things. You will see these sales letters and commercials where they say, oh, if you spend a week working on this project, you'll make $500 million. They always say these bigger and bigger numbers, and because they're so unrealistic, they're trying to shock you with how big the number is, and then you go, ah, it's not believable. It actually hurts the story. So when you're trying to create those emotional waypoints in your story, it's very important to be more realistic. And one of the ways that people do this in sales letters is rather than saying $500 million, they'll say $497,364,178. They do a very specific number because it's more believable, it's something people connect with a little bit better. By having something there that's a little bit more real, because no one gets a paycheck for a number ending in all zeros. We always get checks with a bunch of different random numbers in them. This gets taken out for taxes, this gets taken out for this and that. We expect our paychecks to be a little bit off-center. We don't expect them to be perfectly zeroed in numbers. In other ways of shocking, we don't always have to tell the most extreme story. I try to, when I share my different stories about my life and my experiences, find a story that fits the rhythm of what we're talking about. I, I don't often try to shock you. In the previous episode, we talked about getting hacked or why you must back up your website and damage that can happen. And rather than telling a very extreme story, I simply told a few light stories about times when I'd had to deal with attacks on my website. It's very tempting to take that story and say someone used my website to hurt someone else and do all these things. And you can make it a very extreme, very specific story that's very shocking and kind of go down that path. But as much as your desire to shock and it's something that we really want to do because we see it on television and storytelling stuff all the time now, it takes it too far and you lose the direction of the story. The second mistake is very interesting. In an attempt to be very authentic, you end up giving too much information. Good storytelling is about efficiency. If you can tell the story in three minutes instead of four, three minutes is better. With storytelling and sales letters, I'll often write a very long sales script, and then the rest of the time is spent deleting as many sentences from it as I can. The shorter your sales message, the shorter your story is, the better. Especially with video sales letters, you really want a message that's very short and that therefore people can absorb. When you get into sales more and more, and you will as you begin building your business, as you begin to experience more and more sales videos, you'll notice that the shorter the video is, the more sales you'll make. If you have a really long video, not everyone stays till the end. You lose people every few minutes. So shortening the story, efficiency of the story, using time wisely is very effective. But sometimes you'll hear someone telling a story and they want to tell you everything about themselves. And they tell too many non-related things about their childhood. I could tell you very extensive stories about dealing with issues as a child. We all have stuff we dealt with as a child. But when it's not relevant, it doesn't fit. And I have certain episodes, especially the episode where I talk about dealing with depression, where I open up about a lot of things from my childhood. But in this episode, it would be completely irrelevant. And it wouldn't make sense if I was talking about SEO plugins. I started out talking about tough stuff as a child or stuff in my family. We all have stuff in our families. 
but it's not relevant and it loses your audience. As much as you're trying to be authentic, instead you've revealed too much. You want to reveal just enough to get people engaged in the story, not so much that they start to go, why is this guy telling me his entire personal story? And it's a, a tough balance. This leads into our third storytelling mistake, which is breadth over depth, where we want to tell everything about the story. We tell five minutes about every character. Perfect example of this is a movie I watched very recently called Suicide Squad. For the first 35 minutes, you're introducing characters. Each of the seven main characters gets about five minutes of introduction. Now, if you've managed to sit through this entire movie, and if you have, I'm very proud of you. I barely was able to do it. It took me two separate nights to get through this story. And people always talk about how it's the worst movie ever made and all these other things. The main problem with the story, I can tell you right now, is breadth over depth. They try to get you engaged with every character but most of them are not memorable at all. If you watch that movie and I said, tell me the names of all the characters, I bet you can tell me the names of two or less. I think I can name three, but I'm not 100% about the third name. And it's only because two of the characters I'd seen in other movies or comics or cartoons before. So you have all of these characters and they did breadth. And that's one of the biggest mistakes you can make in a movie. It's the same reason that every time they do a series of X-Men movies, they, people begin to get disengaged by the later movies because they keep introducing too many characters. They go for breadth. And in your story, if you're telling too much breadth, which is very common, it's very tempting, you want to tell people everything that happened, you'll have an ineffective story. It's better to go very deep into one story. How did it make you feel? What really happened? What was the experience of this single day of your life? those stories are very, very effective. They're much more engaging because as humans, we love depth. We want to know how was he feeling? What was he thinking? What happened? Deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. The fourth storytelling mistake is an attempt to mask failures or embarrassing moments. Sometimes in a story, you're the villain or you're the person who got tricked. Perfect example, I could have said Rather than admit that someone hacked my website and shoved in a bunch of pornography five or six years ago without me knowing, I could have said it happened to someone else I knew or say something very generic because it's, it's not very exciting or it's not something you want to admit to tell people that you got hacked and that your website got damaged. It stinks. It doesn't make you feel good. We don't want to admit our failures. We don't want to admit those embarrassing moments, those times when things went wrong because when we do, we feel like it lessens ourselves. There's this thing in our society where we're obsessed with showing everyone how perfect we are. And a lot of marketers in the same field as me are this way. They never admit their failures. They never show any weakness. It seems like since day one, they've been making a million dollars a month. And I hate following people like this because having been through this business for seven years, having been through a lot of experiences, I know every experience has ups and downs. I've had very big months and very bad months over the past seven years. I've had days that were amazing and months that were brutal. And that's reality. It's a real business. It's a real journey. And you always have ups and downs. I haven't had a month where everything was perfect since I started. There's always something that you could do better, that you could succeed with, that you could have done and made more money. You always make mistakes and every mistake loses you money and stinks. But we tell these stories and we act like, oh, I've never done anything wrong. I've always been perfect. Well, then people can't connect with you. The biggest mistake people make when writing a story, and this is the number one reason movies fail is they create characters with no flaw. The second problem with Suicide Squad is that none of the characters has a flaw and when I say flaw I don't mean injury. 
having a broken arm or being a mutant is not a flaw. It's a characteristic. A flaw is I don't trust people. A flaw is that I don't know how to talk to women. A flaw is that I don't believe in myself. A flaw is that I'm shy. These are the types of character flaws. And these are the types of character flaws that over the course of the story, the character comes over their flaw and then achieves their victory. Perfect example, Harry Potter's flaw is that he doesn't believe in himself. And he has to learn over the course of seven or eight, nine movies how to believe in himself. That's really the journey. As much as he's fighting bad guys and everything else, there's an emotional journey, and it's very important to have that. And to circle back to Suicide Squad, not to hate on that movie, but no character goes to an emotional journey. Their attempt to create the journey is the flaws that they're criminals, and at the end, they begin to care about humanity, but that's an incorrect application of the flaw, which is why we don't feel any engagement with the characters. I can't tell you which characters live and die by the end of the movie. I think a couple of characters died, and I don't remember which ones, and I don't care, because they didn't create, because they failed to create a connection, and the connection requires a flaw. Really great stories, there's something wrong with the main character, and they spend the journey overcoming it. The early Jason Bourne movies are really good. Also, that's because the original author only wrote three movies. And in those stories, he's overcoming certain flaws. Am I good or evil? I don't know how to interact with people. I don't know who I am. That's his flaw. And it's a little bit of an injury. The way Robert Ludlum writes it, it's very much you're following this character who's trying to figure out who he is, trying to find out if he's good or evil on this journey emotionally and intellectually as much as he's fighting villains and everything else. And if you watch the movies, if you watched the latest movie, you may have noticed that by the fourth movie, because they've revealed his entire past, they try to make it interesting by revealing one more layer of his past, and it's not interesting. You don't feel very engaged with the main character, even if you enjoyed that movie, and the action's fine. There's nothing wrong with the action scenes in the movie. The problem is that certain aspects of the movie are repetitive, but also that the character doesn't show a flaw. What's the flaw? He doesn't know his past. He already learned his past in the last movie. He doesn't know a little bit more of his past about his dad. Like That's such a small thing that it doesn't create enough engagement. That's why most people didn't feel emotionally engaged with the character. If you ask people why they liked or didn't like the movie, most people, they're not able to identify it because we're not trained to. But if you look at movies you didn't like or you didn't engage with the character most of the time, it's because the character showed no flaws. Flaws are actually a good thing, they humanize you. The sixth mistake is stealing stories or cliches. I first got into this business teaching men how to talk to women. That's one of the first series of books I wrote before I began writing books teaching women how to talk to men. And one of the most common things is to teach men how to tell a story, the structure of a story. And to do that, I would often tell my own personal stories. And very interesting, I was one time in a bar in London and I overheard a guy telling a woman a story that had happened to me. Very strange. But that's what happens. Unfortunately, people, instead of saying, no, I'm teaching you the structure of a story, this is an example, people sometimes memorize and repeat a story. And there are plenty of people in that industry who say, just memorize and repeat my stories, but that's not very conducive because then you never learn how to actually fish and you don't get to be your real self. And I, most of my stories that I like to tell are about my family or about my sisters. And that's how I grew up. I have three sisters and so that's where a lot of my engagement went and a lot of my first interactions with the opposite gender was through my sisters and through their friends. Telling someone else's story, I don't mind when people tell my stories. I think it's kind of like a comment, like, wow, you think my story is so good, you want to repeat it. Great. But it's very much a short path because eventually people will find out that it didn't really happen to you. Now, I'm as guilty of this as anyone else. I have definitely retold stories, even on this podcast, that didn't happen to me. Most of the time when I retell a story, I'm retelling a story someone else told to me that I think is valuable. 
and I'm, it's like I'm giving an example that I overheard someone else say last week in an episode of, you know, five or ten episodes ago when I interviewed Derek. Great. I repeated in the very next episode one of the stories he told me because it was very valuable. And so sometimes we repeat stories that are very good lessons. But we want to make sure that we don't do it too much. And what happens is we hear someone else's story about a third party and we forget what the source is. And I often do this. It's like, oh, I heard a story about someone working with a publisher and this happened. And you forget that you heard it. I forgot that I heard it <laughs> the day earlier on my podcast recording, not that it was something I'd read. Most of the stuff I bring to you guys, I read. And I, I do interviews so rarely, I do like one a month or less, that I simply forgot that was the source. But then later on, I remember, I go, oh, man. So I'm willing to admit it, that the source was that. It wasn't like I fully stole a story about something that happened in this life, but I've seen do people do that as well. They repeat an entire story to someone. They go, oh, wait. That happened to me, not you. What are you doing? The way this really falls down is when this falls into cliches. You know, you start telling a story about we're walking along the beach and then I look back and there's one set of footprints. That's an old story that people tell over and over again. Or any of these other things, right? And they get told over and over again and yeah, they're kind of effective, but if people have heard it before, then it becomes like too much. It's better to create your own metaphors, create your own original stuff. Don't fall into cliches or tell things that you've seen in 50 movies before. There are certain things that are really cool the first time you see it in a movie, but when you see it 50, 60, or 100 times, you go, I keep seeing the same trick. One of the craziest things is if you've never watched Alfred Hitchcock movies, go back and watch just a couple of the big ones, like North by Northwest. You'll watch this movie and you'll go, what is he doing stealing all these things? I've seen all these before. But then you realize, wait, no, he did it first. The reason that's such a great movie is that all of these very iconic moments from other movies are stolen from him. Or not stolen, but there are people copying it. So we see the same twists over and over again. The first time you see a very good twist, it's great. But if you see it over and over and over again, it starts to lose its value, its meaning. So you want to very much tell your own original stuff. This is why you don't need to buy openings or any of that stuff from storytelling services. They're a total waste. You could end up telling cliches. And the seventh storytelling mistake is the failure to understand the structure of a story. This is very, very important. And unfortunately, I don't have enough time to teach you the entire structure of a story. But it begins by knowing the purpose of your story. A very big picture, every movie has three acts. There's the introduction and period of self-discovery. There's the training period in the second. And then in the third section, the third act, is fighting the villain. Now, not every movie is an action movie, but this covers any different type of genre. It covers Pretty Woman. Opening scene, they first get to know each other, figuring out who they are. Second scene, they begin partying and kind of connecting and wondering if there's something really going on. Is it going to be more than just a business relationship? The third act is then about overcoming that and ending up falling in actual love. One, two, three. So the three-act structure is in pretty much every movie, and movies that don't have it, or movies that miss the length of it are movies that we end up not liking. Lack of story structure affects books, movies, and everything else, just as much as it affects us telling our short stories. And that's really just the biggest picture of understanding story structure. When you break down a story, when you're working on telling, for example, a sales story, when writing a copywriting, when I'm copywriting, I'm writing a video sales letter, uh, an entire story that we told via video, that's something that's a 35-minute story. It's longer than a TV show, isn't it? So I have to very much follow a strict structure. Now, the way to learn structure, and I've talked about this in the copywriting episode, and you should listen to that one if you haven't, is you look for a version of the story that's similar to yours. If you're doing a 
story about weight loss, find a very good sales video about weight loss. Now, you cannot steal words, that's plagiarism, never do that, but stealing structure is fine. Learning structure from someone else is fine. Go, oh, first he talks about his childhood, then he talks about overcoming his childhood, then he talks about discovering a cure, right? They have all these things, and of course, that's not the perfect structure. The structure is actually quite long, and I have it written down in a file, but my structure is like 100 steps for that type of story. I like to break it down into really, really small pieces. Other people consider 12 or 13 pieces. And you can find tons and tons and tons of examples online where people teach story structure. But the best way to learn it is to look for someone who's succeeding right now and replicate their structure and then write a better or as good story that's true to you. There's no reason to steal someone else's stories, but to learn structure from someone else is fine because that's how they learn from someone else too. Learning the structure, following these seven simple steps, avoiding these storytelling mistakes will help you better engage with their audience and will increase how well your sales stories convert. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Serve No Master podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.